0: That was the thing, and I, I, would, I would literally leave class and kindergarten, and I would ask to go to the bathroom just to be able to sing in the bathroom. That's, and then, you know, the teacher from another class would come and get me and say, could you please come sing for our students? Oh. So I think I really enjoyed that. Obviously, as a kid, you enjoyed the attention.
1: Well my name is Elise Lavallée, and I am your host at The Silence Between the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra podcast. Uh, the season has, has been under its way for about four weeks now, and uh, we are here today at the Nonsuch Brewery after a long day of rehearsal, I have to admit. <laughs> and uh, we are going to discuss with a fantastic guest for this uh, weekend's concerts. Um, a singer, baritone singer, uh, directly from out east, and uh, I welcome you here, Philip Sly. Thank you so much. Um, So today will be about the voice and about you. We want to get to know you, um, and just even coming to sing with the symphony as the soloist. This is not an opera, this is just you at the front. How uh, extraordinary is that?
0: Extraordinary? Well, I mean, it's strange, because now I've made a career of being a a soloist, as you say, but to be the only one is sort of, um, is definitely unique. It's definitely a... um, I'm lucky to be in this position. I really... It's a funny thing, because it really has to do with the genesis of the piece that I'm here as a Uh soloist as well, because it's a piece that actually I commissioned from the composer, like over five, like, I think five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm sort of imposing myself here.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I see, I'll see. <laughs> um, nice. Which, so let's yes. talk about uh, the piece, the composer, for a second. Sure,
0: sure. Um, well, Harry Saphalakis, the yes. composer of Into Oblivion, is the name of the piece itself. <laughs> and we're, it's a setting of The Ship of Death, a poem by D.H. Lawrence. And fascinatingly, D.H. Lawrence, wrote this near the end of his life while he was dying of tuberculosis, what we think was tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And he had these episodes of in and out of consciousness. And I really relate the, the poem and what it relates uh, to the reader, to the listener, what I think is a, a near-death experience, actually. Wow. So it's both a kind of um, a near-death experience and also a way of transcending um, the idea of death so that we can accept it and also be on some, and in some weird eastern way be almost reborn. There's actually that description of a rebirth in the poetry. So it really takes on a, a heavy topic but it has a really interesting climax that is hopeful and um, brings together, integrates western and Eastern traditions, uh, spiritual traditions.
1: And you are so young to be going into this kind of quest.
0: Well, I mean, as a singer, we're sort of masochistic and we really enjoy death. I think so much of what I sing about as a bass baritone is death. Like um, Michelangelo's songs uh, or, you know, have a lot to do about death. And it's weird. There's something about this. You're a lower voice. You have to play villains. You play the devil. (laughs) You talk about death. That's what you do. Or serious. It's very serious. And I'm very comfortable with that because I feel that the more we come close to death, the more that we can actually integrate what is um, bothersome or dark about our personality or about life in general, allows us not to be controlled by it, but to uh-huh. actually uh, make use of it, mm-hmm. you know? But that's a, that's a big topic. But yes, absolutely. I think it's, that's why I think it's so vivifying. Why do people love going to requiems? People are addicted to requiems.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It's true. There's something about it
1: that's, true, that's yeah. true I do want to talk about the, the piece later but now let's go instead to your youth and uh, mm. how did you come about to uh, becoming a, a singer becoming
0: a singer well I've, I've I've been asked this question quite a few times and I always give a slightly different answer because I'm, <laughs> I'm I think about it differently mm-hmm. I always on some level I actually the sensation of singing of making noise of being of vibrating you could say uh-huh. is really satisfying and I got I got into the habit of doing that very young because I would imitate Michael Jackson. Okay. Or uh, Michael Jackson. Who were the people that my dad would listen to? Michael Jackson. There was a Forrest Gump soundtrack was huge for me because it had basically a, an inventory okay, of yes. like of American you know music okay. from 1950 to you know <laughs> 2000. And um, so you
1: were a good imitator.
0: Very much so. Oh, I wow. mean, that was the thing, and. I, I, would, I would literally leave class and kindergarten, and I would ask to go to the bathroom just to be able to sing in the bathroom. That's, and then, you know, the teacher from another class would come and get me and say, could you please come sing for our students? Oh. So I think I really enjoyed that. Obviously, as a kid, you enjoy the attention. Mm-hmm. And that made me really confident around crowds. And oh, yeah, okay. So there came a point where I had to stop singing for the attention and more for the, um, for the craft of, of uh, musicianship, and as an opera singer what 's really interesting like I, I think I really was interested in going into this vein of classical music because I really was interested in the rigor of, oh, okay. of the music yes, yes. while simultaneously being able um, to use a medium, which is the voice which is yeah. so close, so um, vulnerable and immediately close to people there's a vulnerability there there's no distance between me and the instrument mm-hmm. um, so yeah
1: yes and I, I was actually gonna ask about that too because as a soloist or even in an opera there's so much going on that mm-hmm. you feel a little bit sometimes like you lack freedom
0: well it depends on the the work uh, if it's an opera recital concert um, in opera, there's a, there's a freedom to being playing a character. I love playing something that's other than me and inhabiting it because it's... It, it's weird. That the further the character is from uh-huh. how I am, the, fa- the more facile I feel within, within it. Oh, really? Um, which is why, once again, you know, playing devils and evil people, you know, it's great. Um, but the thing is about, about recitals, or even now, this concert that we're yeah. doing here, which is a poem, on some level, I am declaiming the poetry and I am, I'm not pretending to be the character. Like, I know that I'm declaiming it. Okay. And I also have to imbue my interpretation of what the poetry means. So I know that I'm on stage being me. I'm not on stage being a character. So there's a qualitative difference between opera and concert that okay. I think you have to really acknowledge and be aware of. Does that um,
1: feel more vulnerable?
0: Yeah, very much so. Okay. Um, but there's something heroic about that. Uh, The people see because people start um, in a recital. It's just you or a concert like this. It's just me for half an hour, for example, in this Mm -hmm, piece. mm -hmm. So people have time to to transcend the first level of just okay, he's this person they can I can invite them into this process, which is my own. And they eventually are consumed with my world. When I'm a character in an opera and I sing five minutes here, two minutes here, I come out here. There, I don't have that kind of yes, intimacy yes. that I have in this particular context. Yes. So just watching me achieve the task at hand has a certain drama uh-huh. because it's contiguous. Um, and that's really satisfying. And I find that I, I, I know that... I've, I mentioned heroism before. I just mean it's its sort of like... It's a huge effort, you know? To just mm-hmm. be there, be yourself, and stick with it <laughs> yes, yes. for half an hour. Yes, yes. You know? Completely vulnerable.
1: Yes, absolutely. And
0: um, I guess I'm a little addicted to it, but it's a little masochistic too, you know?
1: aha uh-huh. uh, You said something that I do envy. You said your instrument is you, so there's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a violist, but yeah. in some ways I... Attempt to be a singer yes. with my instrument, but yeah. I have an instrument and a bow and the strings and all sorts of things in between. Yes. And I attempt to sing through, through it. That. Yes. Um, singing sometimes can appear like it's easy because mm-hmm. uh, we don't see your fingers moving or. No, no, totally. It seems
0: spontaneous. <laughs> That's what's so strange about it. Um, and most of the work that you do as a singer is to regain that initial. Um, that intuitive aspect of singing that is actually innate in everybody. If you watch a baby cry, it doesn't lose its voice. Mm-hmm. It knows innately how to make a noise, and it, it can do it all night, and it mm-hmm. won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. I know it's a strange example, but all to say that I think all of us innately, as humans, have a capacity to sing and are, are, are related to that in a really deep emotional way. Um, so weirdly, the, for me, the task of being a singer has been to unlearn a lot of things or break them into pieces so that I better understand technique and then reintegrate them into a whole so that it becomes spontaneous again.
1: Kind of undo stresses? That's kind of how well, I see it when I play.
0: Yeah, like when I was uh, 20, when I just came out of high school, uh, university, 21, I singing was extremely easy. It was, um, it was intuitive and I just sort of threw my voice around and I could do whatever I wanted. And as my body evolved, as, as a male singer does, and, as you take on the stresses of life, you, you have to actually find a way of being hyper aware of what's going on, what used to go on instinctively. So in the last five years, I went through a process of breaking down my singing and rebuilding it again so that I could find what I had lost for a while, which was this unified instinct, and desire to communicate.
1: But you must sing think- Better, also?
0: Well, this is the thing. You better is it. so strange because I, you know, I listen, I used to feel this way because every recording that I did, I knew that, oh, I could do it better. Okay. And I was like, ah, oh, I would do it completely different now. But if I listen to recordings that are old enough, I realize, wow, there was something that I was attending to then that is pure and that is that is honest to the moment that I couldn't do now. And that it has its identity and I can't do better. I can do differently. But that moment, I was really. It was still complete at that time. The gesture was still complete.
1: Okay. But if if
0: you make me listen to something I sang yesterday, I don't want to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah.
1: But more specifically about... So I, I took uh, voice lessons when I was studying at McGill. I think I had eight lessons and yeah. I never sang yet. I yes. was just trying to make sounds vibrate through yeah. my head. Yeah, research. Okay. That's good. And... Uh, I mean, it was so complicated, uh, uh-huh. I thought. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about, I saw you also, in this afternoon in the rehearsal, you were kind of like making movements yes. with your jaw, yes. right? To open up well, something? So, or?
0: all the pathologies that come with singing mm-hmm. are related to mismanaged energy.
1: Uh, say that again. <laughs>
0: so, a pathology, all the problems that you can occur that can we, occur as a singer we, we. have to do with mismanaged energy. Okay. Um, because to sing there requires a certain amount of energy, yep. but there also is required a certain amount of relaxation yes. so that you can allow the voice yes. to sing yes. and not force it. However, the body needs to be completely awake and ready to, um, to, in a way, the diaphragm squeezes air up through your, through <laughs> your vocal <laughs> cords. Do you know what I mean? So you have to yeah. be taught yeah. and ready <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: down here yeah. while completely relaxed up here so it's a very zen sort of work that you have to do to be able to accommodate both of these states which is
1: so do you think about that physically
0: well so you have to use analogies and and images and okay um, what are you so like one thing that my my now deceased voice teacher used to say was you have to have a cool head but a warm heart Mm -hmm. you know so that you can you can be attending to your work because you're a craftsman as a singer not get lost in the emotion, because you're doing, you're doing work. You, if, mm-hmm. you, if you get lost in the beauty of the thing, you're mm-hmm. a spectator. You're no longer the thing that's creating. Um, while, so you have to keep your heart warm, but your head cool. So not get enraptured. It's all about finding this really fine balance. Um, so I, as you said, I was... So you saw me touching my jaw. and yes, being yes. aware of my jaw. Yes. And I have a tendency either to... Um, hold some tension there so i make a point of uh moving it side to side to to relax it so that i know that okay i'm aware of here Uh, sorry i'm I'm pointing to my diaphragm Mm -hmm. and and aware of my imagination so my head space here Mm -hmm. and if we go into something like in in hinduism you talk about chakras Mm -hmm. you know the chakras so different energy centers in the body And what's interesting is for me, I find to allow the voice to sing and spin correctly, Mm -hmm. I need to be aware of my third eye. Yes. Which is the, I think, sixth chakra. Not the crown chakra, which is above, but the third eye, which is here. Um, And that allows me to integrate all the lower chakras into my singing. You see what I mean? So, singing is all about finding the most efficient and simple gesture to unify your body and your mind. To produce this sound.
1: I mean it's actually the same with an instrument. I'm sure it's it is. Even, this relates to everything. There's this other thing in your <laughs> in yeah. your, hands yet. Exactly. Uh, wow. Wow yeah. is what but I have to say. You can relate but <coughs> everything to this. This is so yeah. cool
0: because you're a craftsman as I'm a craftsman like because we have this work that we're attending to we can actually use it as a lens to see the world and better understand it because we have this really sharp tool. Mm-hmm. And that tool can pierce through reality on some level because it's so well-honed. Mm-hmm. We can use it. Anyway, sorry, that's a little... We're digressing into philosophy, <laughs> spirituality. No, no, it's, it's good. I was
1: actually expecting you to say, okay, when we sing, there's the projection, there's the articulation, there's, you know, things like I that. I think we, we need to
0: speak in a more abstracted way because yes. it's clear I'm using my words. I'm using yes. this, articula- this, this pitch, there's everything. But if your, if your mind is powerful enough... Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your gesture, your, your imagination is powerful enough, mm-hmm. it will unify your body to respond to the right stimulus. Mm-hmm. That's what you want, to respond to the right stimulus, to mm-hmm. be ready and open and go. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. You want to be instinct instinctive. All my so work has to do with finding that. What about
1: the inspiration for your creation? I see that you're creating you're creating something right every moment every note i heard yeah. you this afternoon you okay. know colors and stuff like that <laughs> does is that inspiration come from your head from your heart is it just like a
0: i mean weirdly inspiration comes from the moment before so yeah. every our lives are a succession of moments that we accept that we transcend and then and then a new moment arises right like like in music mm-hmm. so if I make a certain decision at the very beginning of the piece, I have to make sure that the next decision that I make is in relation to the previous one. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that it's either my heart or my head. It's, it's actually something other. It's, it's me yes. acknowledging what is arising in the moment and then making use of it, accepting it, and responding to it. So I don't know if there's a term for that But it has more to do with being in the moment than deciding what it is. It's like a flow state, actually. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're looking for. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, just talking about stage, now with all this presence in the moment creation, has it ever, have you had moments where you're completely out of it or you forgot your line or something? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: God. Um, It's funny. I made a, mo- a moment, there was a moment today where I completely forgot the pitch okay. um, that I was supposed to come in on. Th- it's this funny thing as a singer because we're constantly aware of technique and we're trying to make sure that every sound is still well, um, man- I don't say manufactured, well created, uh-huh. well supported. Um, and sometimes it, I get so far in my head that I forget what I'm really attending to, which is the music. So that moment today, where I had to stop the rehearsal and we had to oh, restart yes, again, yes. was because I started thinking too much about my voice and what it sounded like, instead of allowing it and responding to what was going on. Um, I think I've digressed a little bit from the question, though. What was the question again? No, that was that it? <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I'm
1: curious, uh, Philip. With all this what we're talking about, this wasn't really taught to you, right? I mm. so I did a bachelors, I did a masters, I went to McGill after and sometimes I feel like we barely touched even on musicality. There was yes. so much about technique. So yeah. much about technique and getting to play this and play that. Yeah. And that's something that I experienced and learned discovered more on my own. Yes. Uh, yeah. So same
0: I mean that's a big question. I mean it's Technique is, is fundamental. It's, it's, what you, it's what you will immediately fall back on when you, when you sort of are bereft of the flow state. So technique is what your body actually knows instinctively what to do with the right stimulus. But there are times, because of who knows what, where you're going to slip out of that. And that's what immediately you need to fall back on. Mm-hmm. um in whatever moment and let's be honest technique has more to do with accumulating the right habits
1: yes muscle memory too. you
0: know yeah. so it's not about a thing it's about the habit of being able to work in a certain yes. way yes. Yes. um so i don't like the idea of isolating technique in a you know what i mean it's yes. it's yes. um uh and in school, like I wish I had stayed in school longer uh-huh. to develop better habits that would have prevented me from making some errors that I made, and I I, I hurt myself.
1: Oh, okay. So you hurt yourself. Yeah, your voice. totally.
0: And though I learned so much from those errors, so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I wish I had done something differently. But so,
1: wait, were you? I can't. You sang too much, too loud. Yes, I was (laughs) sick, and I sang anyway. I didn't
0: cancel, and I hemorrhaged my right vocal cord. Okay. And I had to stop singing for three months or more. Uh, This was like existential for me. And this is the thing I I I wanted to mention this earlier when you talked about a singer's life, when your your body, your yourself with a capital S is the is the instrument. Yes. Um, The problem is. That means if my singing is not going well, I'm not well. And it's been very hard for me to try to differentiate me and my singing for the sake of those around me, mm-hmm. for the sake of my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, poor, and I, I feel bad for it because there are times when I, I'm trying so hard to be in the moment, but I know there's a problem that I haven't been able to solve with regards to my singing and it takes up all of my, my mental capacity and I'm better at it than I used to be, mm-hmm. but it's I'm not nowhere as as good as I would like to be. I'd li- I need to accept more <laughs> that I might not get where I wanted to go today. Yes, yes. And that tomorrow is another day. <laughs> That's yes. patience is what I most need to work on. And
1: and uh, um, we were yeah. talking before starting uh, the podcast about. Uh, you know a lot of singers we see come in with their scarfs, and they're all protecting their throats and yeah. uh, you know germs and all this stuff so yes. I asked you when you fly Yes. oh um, uh, yes so <laughs> I
0: mean it's a strange thing I mean my voice teacher was he notoriously never got sick and when he did get sick it was huge but he almost never got sick okay. and he was I would say anal about um, cleanliness and germs and all this okay. stuff Um, and I could be better at it and I've had to become more um, aware especially like as you mentioned on flights Um, even this is something I should do but I I, I don't do it yet is cleaning everything I'm going to be touching for like a 7 hour flight you know like take some URL and just clean all the stuff but what I do do is put a mask
1: on my face (laughs) when I'm on a
0: flight and it's called a humidifier and it does many things there is the germ aspect of it, but it's more for maintaining humidity in your body because oh. you breathe out okay. and it still maintains humidity because the recycled air in planes allows you to dry out. Yes. Uh, allows you. It makes you yes. dry out yes. completely. And it makes a jet lag a much more easy to overcome if you don't get dehydrated. When you're dehydrated, oh, yeah, jet yeah, yeah, lag yeah, yeah. hits right. you for twice as long. Okay. And when you're in that state of being tired all the time, you're... Um, Meta- not metabolism. Sorry, your immune system yeah, yeah, yeah. is not as strong. So if I'm sleeping better and I'm I find the cycle better. So you wear
1: like a. It's big, an investment. Big mask. Yeah, it's a big mask yeah, like a big mass that's
0: translucent. I look oh, like a, a so character from Mortal Kombat. I look like Scorpion or whatever his name is. Or, yeah, what is this freeze freezer? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but it's okay. I'm used to people. I. I know that I come off crazy in that context and in many <laughs> other con- contexts. As musicians, walking around, conducting to myself yes, with earphones yes. on, I've accepted that that's what I'm going to look like. Okay. You know, anyway.
1: <laughs> um, I think you told me that if you'd like to conduct. Mm. <laughs> yes?
0: I would absolutely love to conduct. because. Okay. Um, there is something about singing, because we're dealing with breath, mm-hmm. we're dealing with something that's so fundamental of an idea Mm -hmm. in our and cross-culturally and everybody responds to breath in the right way intuitively and I feel that there are a lot of conductors who don't breathe well yes and even as a singer I could breathe better but I'm hyper aware of it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I feel that there's something about the knowledge and experience that I've gained so far with regards to that and my musical imagination that combined together, I feel that I could be an asset um, in the music world. What would you like to conduct? What would I like to conduct? We, we. Well, I would only conduct what I know unbelievably well, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Um, And I've had a habit of doing a lot of Mozart and a lot of Bach. So I guess I would start with that. Because I'm not an instrumentalist. Uh, I mean, I I play trombone, I play piano, and the hurdy gurdy, but I don't um, you play them at a at a level that's that my singing is at. But and so I'd have to get a lot. I'd have to go back to school, and I need a knowledge, a basic knowledge of all the instruments and how <laughs> they function. You know, it's so important to have that. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be useful. Yeah, and absolutely. I feel that there are conductors who are unbelievably well prepared mm-hmm. and who you know uh, everything about everything, mm-hmm. but don't breathe, that, don't, that, don't have, that can't transcend that level to encompass everything else. Mm-hmm. There has to be a way that you can, you can bypass the limits of a certain kind of knowledge to bring about everything, because nobody can know everything about everything. That's not yeah. the point. The point is yeah. having a way of acting yeah. in the world that brings people together in a unified fashion. When people are united and have a common goal, it's unbelievable the sound the orchestra can make. I'll give you an example. So Bernard Labadzi, okay, oui, oui. I did a Messiah with him, yes, and actually maybe I shouldn't be using names because I'm going to compare him to another conductor. But <laughs> okay. um, I, I did a Messiah with him in Boston, and it was a small band. It was the uh, Boston, what was the name, the Handel and Haydn Society and he was able to bring out a unity of purpose within the orchestra that made them unbelievably effective. The impact of the sound was huge and um, I happened to a few weeks later do a Messiah somewhere else with a much (laughs) bigger orchestra Uh and with uh, and that orchestra though unbelievable they are the Perhaps it has to do with the fact that it's harder to wield so many more people. But it felt to me mm-hmm. that the orchestra that I working in Boston with the Handel Haydn Society, that orchestra, the feel, the sensation was they were much more impactful and louder. Like yeah. the impact was mm-hmm. huge compared to this massive orchestra that was not as unified and it was muddy, unclear, and I didn't have an uh-huh. impact. I wasn't as touched. So. I think that hopefully, one day, I'd like to bring that sort of attention and quality to conducting, or hopefully, yes. and I'm saying this, this is the first time I say this. In public, <laughs> good, good, But it's I really, there. really like that. I feel that if you can inspire that kind of passion and, and efficiency, it's, you should it attend to that it.
1: That brings me to a question, because you've been talking about uh, breathing, mm-hmm. and string players, uh, we don't breathe. We, <laughs> we actually <laughs> hold our breath for like whole pieces. Um, I do feel to compensate that for myself, I put a lot into movement. Yes. So I'm not necessarily breathing, but I even try to get my students to walk. A, yes. You know, a piece of Bach I think that's and walk very smart of you. Movement like that, which is more maybe related to conducting. Also, yeah. how is movement different than breath? Then. Well,
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to use. A, I'm going to answer your question in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, we as humans are never still, even if we're sleeping we're not still. Uh, stillness is n- doesn't really exist. If you think of, our, of what we're built from, on the, even from the atomic level up. Everything is in constant movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, so any kind of attempt at stillness is actually an attempt at finding the center. That's the better way of speaking about it. So to find the center Sometimes people require greater gestures to circumambulate around that center and then better define it. And once they've done that, they're more at ease and then they're more in their body and they can, they can be more instinctive. So even when I'm singing, I feel that my center is more clear to me if I have a kind of movement, whether it's a slightly bigger or smaller, that makes it more clear where my center of gravity is, for example. Okay. If I'm holding something, mm-hmm. I'm not moving. Because if you move in a way that's... Um,
1: um,
0: then the center becomes clearer to you it's a way of mapping what the center is and there you will find stillness one thing that I always talk about I was talking to the conductor about this is like the best way to find the center is because uh, there's a lot of subdivision going I'm uh, not subdivision but we're, there are a lot of moments in today's rehearsal that I, I would have wished hope in the future that when we perform it that we feel it more in double time that we yes. so instead of in four we feel it in two instead of in three we feel it in yep. one these sorts yep. of things yep. because when we do that it unifies the gesture more yes, simply yes, yes. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and uh so that's what i mean the more you cut it up the more you try to be Funny, it is, it's funny, con, it's contrarian, but the more you try to be precise, the less clear it, can, it, it is somehow. Are you talking
1: about longer phrases? Yeah, longer phrases, no, like, when so it, because longer, when you have a longer phrase wait.
0: and you know what the trajectory is, mm-hmm. people are more unified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. You know? Yes. Anyway, this I, I've digressed again, but...
1: No, no, it's okay. Let me, uh, am I talking too much about... So what are your days like? Yeah. Tell me... Uh,
0: well, if I'm at home... <laughs> yes. It's very different than if I'm in a hotel. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> right now I'm in a hotel. But if I'm at home, it's, um, <laughs> I wake up quite early with my girlfriend and I make her a milkshake and then she goes to work on a farm.
1: Oh, how early is that? 5.30. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: But the season's almost over. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I go back to bed. <laughs> and then I wake up a little later. And then I actually start warming up immediately. And I shouldn't, I should warm up my body. Um, I should go for a walk, do some push-ups, or who knows. But you knows? go
1: straight to work. You don't... Uh, I, yes, I start. Okay. Or
0: oftentimes, I will try to l- I'll learn... I like doing all my work, learning new music in the morning. Because okay. I feel like I'm most creative then. Oh, okay. But my body is not as awake, so I'm in a conundrum. Okay. I feel more efficient when I'm working in the morning, but my voice would rather I wait four hours before I okay. start singing. Yes, yes. So I, I haven't found this balance yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I don't want to be spending eight hours of my day thinking about music. Mm -hmm. I'd rather it be four hours. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Anyway, something to figure out. But I really like learning new music at the piano. And instead of singing, what I'll do, because I can't sing for five hours in a day, I'll whistle or I'll even like play it on another instrument. You
1: whistle? Are you a good whistler?
0: I'm a a very good whistler. Ask my girlfriend.
1: Let's hear it. (laughs) No, come on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> anyway, wow yeah there you go, yes a little Bach for you <laughs> yeah. um, but i haven't found i I haven't found this balance yet, I really need to
1: and then after these so four hours of work, what happens for the rest of the day?
0: um then I will go either I go swimming in the afternoon, or I go climbing at a gym like a climbing gym, or i don't it depends because right now I'm teaching at McGill so oh, yes. Now I'm teaching in the morning and then I have to rehearse in the afternoon. That's completely changed my schedule. Um, <laughs> but I'm realizing now, which is something I didn't have to do originally. You know, when you're in your 20s, you can just get away with anything. Mm-hmm. Now I know that I have to make use of my body every day somehow.
1: Now that you're in your 30s. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I know that maybe I'm sounding, you know, I don't know, childish. But it's, it makes a big difference for a singer. Even like Pavarotti, even though he was huge... He still worked out. Like, he was, like, ready. Okay. He worked out every day. You know, he played tennis or he did... W- and yeah. you just have to, you have to be making use oh, of yeah. it. And yeah, yeah. I have a tendency to just be able to not do anything mm-hmm. for a month. And th- I can't afford okay. that anymore. Yeah. No, not
1: good. No. How do you deal with stress?
0: Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. it's strange because I don't actually... I, I drink... I probably drink alcohol every day almost (laughs) and I don't drink a lot but it's definitely a habit that and it is a muscle relaxant and it does um, it has some benefits Mm -hmm. with regards to that how do you say that in English a um, a, 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 a crutch it becomes a crutch I've, I've seen a lot of singers who are who make use of it too much Really? you know or other things like we all have our our demons but i don't but think it's reached that level
1: before stage Well
0: there, there we go so i i would never ever drink before going on yeah, stage yeah, yeah. Um this is only a post show thing i'm talking about like Bernstein would have a whiskey and a cigarette <laughs> waiting for him backstage Oh yeah and that he would take a drag and take a shot <laughs> between the first and the second bow. Really? Yeah okay. yeah <laughs> But um, the day of a show I have to make sure cuz I'm nervous. I'm always nervous before going on stage. <laughs> and when I'm nervous I don't want to eat. I don't have j'ai oui, oui, pas yes. d'appétit. Oui, yes. So I make the point of doing the opposite of tanking up. I literally eat more on the day of a show than less. To you make sure eat that more. yes and the lunch is huge on the okay. show day.
1: <laughs> you don't feel like eating but you I, but I force myself okay, to okay. eat. I force okay. feed myself.
0: Okay. And I remember talking to Kent Nagano about this and he yes. was so sweet. And I was like, "You know Kent, we were, it was after a show at the dinner and so like what sort of habits do you do you have before you you know go on stage and he's like you know Phil I used to think I needed to be pure and I had to be completely free <laughs> and open and, and empty you know like zen he, would, he said this like this and so I wouldn't eat anything and then I later realized that I needed to do the opposite and now I just tank up
1: okay yeah
0: so um because halfway through an opera, you oh, yeah. feel it if well, you didn't, that's the thing, you yeah. know. But you, then
1: how do you deal with... The, okay, you eat a lot, and then what happens? And I
0: try to I, I try to be in a state of absorption instead of production. So, like, I'll watch a movie.
1: Oh, okay, okay. You see what I mean?
0: I'll eat. <laughs> yeah. I literally am a couch potato, <laughs> but I make sure I move my body. So, I'll go up for a hike.
1: Do you eat healthy stuff? Or? Oh,
0: very much so. And I'm a, I love cooking. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm... Yes, I eat very healthily.
1: Do you, are you vegan or something? Or? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. But
0: you can be healthy and not be a vegan.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, <was> just, <laughs>
0: I mean, that's a whole other topic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so you eat a lot, then you watch TV.
0: I might watch TV, and I'll go for it. Like, when I was in Lyon, I would walk up. There's this beautiful mountain. In
1: Lyon? In Lyon. Okay, and I,
0: I would hike up the mountain in town. If I'm in Paris, absorption? I walk... okay. No, no, that's so. I I'm in Yeah, I mean, I'm not attending to it. I'm not doing anything mental.
1: contemplating or something? Yeah. Okay.
0: In Paris, I would walk to the Opera House, which was an hour. That was my... In
1: Winnipeg, you're going to walk over to St. Boniface and back?
0: Well, I did, actually. Okay. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, walking to the hall probably won't be enough. I'll have to find something else. But I've been going to the gym here, and that's been nice.
1: Oh, okay. Good. And then your pre-concert, are you superstitious? What are your... Pre-stage uh, oh, yeah. habits. I'm
0: always afraid of warming up too much. Oh yeah. Okay. You know that's legit. Uh, getting in my head, and I know that I'm nervous, and my body is not being—it's not as—it's not what it's used to. So I try not to get too paranoid about what my voice is sounding like. But I want to make sure my body's awake. Um, yeah.
1: No special coffee, drink, anything? No. Uh, special clothes, socks? No. Nothing. Nothing. No, no superstitious. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. No. <laughs>
0: I, I take full responsibility. <laughs> 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 ah,
1: that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to get back a little bit about the, this fantastic piece that you commissioned into yes. Oblivion. Yes. <laughs> um, so why did you... Why did you pick Harry uh, Staphylakis? Why did you ask Well, him? it's
0: because I had worked with, Har- with Harry while we were both at McGill. Oh, okay. And he had already written uh, a song cycle for baritone. And it was okay. ha- too high for me. Oh. And, um, but he saw that I was able to, at that young age, I could get through it. Like, he, he saw me in a recital. Uh, I performed Liebe and he saw that at my range was, um, was pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sing quite at that time, quite high and low enough. And so I performed this new piece with orchestra for him that he had written, but not for me. He had, just, he had written it before we met. And I enjoyed the experience, even though I thought it was um, almost unsingable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why, why?
0: Uh, it was too... Um, the breadth of it was too big at that oh, okay. time. Okay. Maybe, I could, uh, maybe I could work on it again, but I don't know. And I don't know... How it came about? I'm actually not sure how it came about, but we were talking about some other kind of collaboration. I, I told him that I'd love to commission a piece from him, and he mentioned this poem, the into mm-hmm. the uh, sorry, int- the ship of death by mm-hmm. D. H. Lawrence. And I read the poem, and it it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable poem. So, I I read it, and I completely agreed, and I said, go for it funny though. He sends me his first draft of the piece and he's a composer, right? I'm just the guy commissioning the piece. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's really who's working on this
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I thought the piece was amazing and it was for piano. It was not for orchestra then. It was for piano only okay. and I disagreed with Harry about the ending Ooh. and instead of just letting it go, I actually felt like I had to tell him I was supposed to perform it in Banff as a part of a recital. Yeah. And I told Harry, with this ending, I don't think I'm capable of performing it. And it had to do with the, the nature of the setting of the poetry because I completely disagreed with the attitude that he had towards the ending of the poem. Okay. And I thought that like, I knew uh, he's the composer and I was being really, not obtuse, what's the word? It was a big deal for me to like stick to my guns and say, look, because I was paying him for this piece. It's a commission.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, asked, I, I told him, look, I'm, I'm, here's the money, in the sense that you know, I'm paying you for this piece. Thank you so much, blah, 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 blah. But as it is now, I won't perform it until you change the ending. <laughs> so that was a, I, I was amazed at myself for doing that because <laughs> I'm not the composer here, yes, you know, yes, and I completely yes. respect his process, but I knew yes. that he could do something better. Yes. And he did. He oh. wrote another ending. Okay. And but we never ended up performing with piano because the window where I could perform it, passed because oh. he had to write the new ending. Oh, okay. And a few months ago when we met to work on this piece, just he and I, he told me, you know Phil, you were right, the new ending is better, you know like thank you. And I was so happy. I was like oh because I felt really bad about that. I felt like I was being an asshole, <laughs> but I had to stick to my guts, yes. be disagreeable. Yes. And sticking to the truth panned out, and I'm really happy about that. And sometimes in this business, it's hard to say your truth. You know, we're trying to, everybody, you know, we want people to like, like us. We want to be (laughs) rehired, you know. So anyway, this worked out, and I'm really excited to share that with the public here in a couple of days.
1: Okay, so thank you so much, uh, Philip, for talking with us today. Um, oh, my pleasure. Yes. Seeing
0: you in the orchestra, now here at the bar.
1: <laughs> yes. So we were at the Nonsuch Brewery. Uh, my name is Elise Lavallee again, and this is The Silence Between.
0: Bedtime yeah. Studios production. Yeah. One man, one yeah. destiny.
1: Dum, dum, dum. at that time.